in a world driven by selfies and social media, where empathy and entrepreneurs are considered contradictory. One podcast has set out to put empathy back in the boardroom by hearing from the best entrepreneurs around the world. Empathize It will hear from the leaders of the digital economy and learn how the soft skills drive their business. This is the Empathize It podcast. Go. Okay, good evening, Ben Roberts. How are you? Oh, I am brilliant. Thank you so much for having me on today. Likewise, I'm really appreciated. I know that uh, last time there was some technical issues, so I really appreciate the time and the flexibility. And I'm happy that we re- finally had a chance to, uh, to reconnect. Oh, no, exactly. I mean, this thing is technology is brilliant when it works and when it doesn't, we, we, we all start panicking a little bit. Correct. Um, so why don't you start off by giving us a little bit about uh, telling us who Ben Roberts is. Sure. So, yeah. So I'm Ben Roberts. Um, I'm the head of marketing at a tech startup in the UK called Talkative, where we specialize in basically human powered communication. So live web chat, embedding uh, voice calling into websites, along with video calling into websites, which is really cool. I'm also the host of the Marketing Buzzword podcast, which basically I bring on different guests and do episodes myself as well, where we break down common marketing buzzwords try and discover sort of what they actually mean and whether you can implement them into your marketing strategy or not. So in a nutshell, that's pretty much what I do. Well, it sounds like you're you're keeping yourself very busy, not to mention that the fact that you're also a, an avid sports fan as well, if I recall. Yes. Yes. I'm actually also chairman of the hockey club as well. So that uh, there's all sorts of things going on at the moment. It's, it's pretty crazy, but yeah, I was mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be without playing sport. I think for me, it's one of those things that it really helps. I love being in front of the screen and doing what I do. But I tell you what, there's nothing quite like actually getting away from the screen for a little bit, to sort of rest, recharge and uh, get back to it. I know, especially when I'm writing the, my book at the moment, it's actually just getting away from the screen actually helps me think a lot more uh, clearly. So, well, you when you mentioned you're being a host of the podcast and mentioning that you are marketing handle or the manager, the director of marketing and talkative, you didn't mention about your book. So why don't you tell us about the book? We'll I know. <laughs> Go ahead. No, uh, brilliant. So yeah, so my, I'm writing my first book at the moment, which is obviously spins off the podcast as well. So it's called Marketing Buzzword to Marketing Authority. So it's sort of split into three parts. There's a real brief summary. The first part looks up what are buzzwords, why are they important, and the psychology around them and why they may or may not exist. You'll have to read the book to find out. <laughs> going forward then it goes then we look at part two which looks at actually how you can use buzzwords at, to build a personal brand so actually how using a term or phrase a common thread you can build a personal brand and then flipping that into part three then looks actually from a business perspective so not just as an individual but as a whole business how you can utilize buzzwords in order to grow and create a business and utilize your employees and their personal brands along the way so that's that's a sort of a real brief summary. Yeah, and I'm new. as we record this, I'm two days away from having to send in my first uh, first draft manuscript, which is pretty pretty damn exciting. Oh, it sounds exciting! I, I, I congratulate you. I've, I still have this uh, idea of writing a book at some point in my life, but I hope maybe the like you said, the podcast will give you the inspiration and be the basis for the future of a book or opportunity of a book. So I think that's a great uh, list of things that you're doing, keeping yourself busy, always focusing on the marketing and social, and also giving yourself some outlets, which is great. 
So let me uh, get, uh, I guess we'll get started. You, you spoke about the last thing you talked about was your book uh, that, you know, from, from buzzwords to basically creating an authority, becoming an authority, using those buzzwords and creating a brand around it and as, as a, how a business can actually do that. So why don't you tell us <clears throat> or describe for me how, how the, how do you take that raw intuition or that raw, that, that raw idea, the raw concept of a, a, co- a company, whether it's a startup or a brand, and how do you how do you take that raw intuition and turn it into something that's really an idea and bringing it forward uh, toward, towards something that's more uh, under how you understand that your intuition of making, making creating a book or working with your company that you work with at Talkative. How do you take that raw intuition of ideas of concepts and then t- saying is these ideas are what we have in our mind or in our gut, but now we need to n- figure out a way to really understand if our consumers or our, our customers are really interested in that. Yeah, this is a, this is a, a topic that I find particularly fascinating, and I think when these I've just not had real have had quite a few times really in terms of actually how we blend the date the raw data and actual tangible statistics that we can get from online activities and blending that with real world conversations. So what we're trying to do at Talkative at the moment is we're actually spending a lot of time collecting as much data as we legally and possibly can on our on our customers, our prospects. So this is using things, so a number of say SEO tools. So we're using SEM Rush, we're using Moz, we're using Ahrefs, tools like that. And then obviously we we've got Hotjar embedded into the website, our actual tool collects analytic data mm-hmm. and we're using all that to gain a a real in-depth view on something but what we have we're using our own intuition to start the process so we think we look at it from a perspective of okay we're talking with our customers and, and clients we got we spend a lot of time out at events trying to speak to as many people as possible a lot of these events aren't necessarily actually going there to look for sales prospects. And this is where we try and be a little bit different from other people. We don't want to be that company that goes out there and actually goes out to these conferences and events. It's sell, 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 try and find as many prospects as you can. It's going out there and actually using it as an incredible research opportunity, which is actually not many people do when they go to these events. So mm-hmm. we use that to try and drive our intuition. Okay, okay, this is what seems to be the talking points in the industry at the moment. This is how people seem to be moving and perceiving this is where their potential issues are actually how they're starting to uh, look at correcting them then we use the data to say okay does this data support that hypothesis and then we look at creating content around blending those two we then a b test a lot of that content as well especially on the website it's not so necessarily blogs or videos so much videos we're starting to do it a little bit but actually on the web pages, we're trying to be a bit more dynamic in terms of the content we're creating, creating two very specific AB pages, which is based upon, again, the raw intuition and then the data. And then we're just sort of seeing how that is. But a key thing of it really is, um, is building that data from our gut instinct. I mean, if we spend all our time looking at data, we find that we actually lose a disconnect between mm-hmm. our customers. So it's trying to keep that connect with our customers and then either supporting or actually saying, actually, look, our customers are saying this, but in reality, it's not actually the case. And it's trying to make sure that people, and that's what we found, is trying to blend the two and not being overly reliant on one or the other has as given us a lot of rewards so far. So it seems like you're, what you're doing at the company, which is really interesting because most companies would approach it the other way around, is they would take the data and then 
take the data to prove their, uh, take the data and then execute on a, uh, a strategy or the build a strategy on the data. And you're doing is basically you're, you're reverse engineering your intuitions based at, whether it's at events, whether it's at trends that you find from the site and the data that's from this, the intuitions that you're creating from the things that you're seeing on the site. And then you're basically taking the data that exists from the site that the company is collecting and then saying is our intuition was this, I'm reverse engineering it to the data and now putting it together, which was not what most companies would do. Yeah, exactly. Especially as a small business, we want to be really in touch with our customers. If we're not having those discussions, so our MD is out so much at our company, uh, our customers' headquarters, prospects, having as many conversations as possible. And then we try and build everything around that because especially as a small company, if you lose that that relationship with the company, they think that actually you just, they, they're just becoming a number to you. That's mm-hmm. actually when customers start losing it. So we're trying to, as much as possible, is really focus on that retention from an early stage. So constantly chatting with them, backing up that finding to a data. And we're finding that we're retaining a huge, huge, we've only lost one customer so far, one wow. customer in our two and a half years. And we're trying to take real pride on that then is keeping those relationships but you have you can't just keep building relationships and hoping that actually they, they said that was perfect so it must be right actually we have to support it with the data but actually by maintaining those real human relationships as we try and do with our products we're trying to promote human human connections and it's actually then building everything out from there we're finding that's been a real strength of ours so far maybe we'll have to change it as we go forward we're not we're not stuck that this has to be our way and the only way of doing this mm-hmm. and so because we, every business yeah. is different yeah no carry on mate no go ahead you were saying every business is different and you will have to okay. change yeah every business exactly yeah you're aware of that and if we start seeing actually we're having to, it, the amount of customers does become too big to do this. We maybe have to adjust things. But for now, especially in, in this growth stage that we're at, for the next sort of two or three years, we envisage we'll stay on this path because we really value that human connection. But ultimately, this is, may not work for business, but it's 100% working for us so far. Actually, for any small or medium business, if you're not doing this, this is something I'd say it's definitely worth looking at, at least to to gauge whether it's right for you or not. Absolutely. I think that is exactly the focus of this podcast and focus of the idea is that the human connections are what allow small businesses and even large enterprises to really succeed and allow them to thrive because of the human connections and that ability to connect on a level that's beyond just the numbers and the, you know, the data, but rather using that data to form some real strong connections, but also to be able to tap into that human connection beyond just the data, but either tap into that because the relationships that are created strengthen and enhance the overall business opportunities. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then the only caveat to that potentially is where you have to focus purely on the data, almost for like things like pay-per-click advertising and stuff. But on the on the whole, as as far as actually building up a, a cost-effective businesses over time, is PPC isn't, yes, for some businesses, it may be somewhat sustainable over time. But without those raw organic relationships, actually you're relying on paying to get that single click right here right now and not develop and win that business and keep that ultimately keep that business over time and that's where we're trying to do this is yes we're a 
tech startup. And yes, we want to grow quickly, but we also want to grow the right way. And that means actually not being um, a boom and bust company where we have huge sets of growth and then they, those businesses collapse through the floor because we've all seen them. We've seen so many of these businesses that go huge and everyone suddenly is talking about them for one week and then the next week, oh no, they've gone, they've gone up the wall again. It's trying to actually be really sustainable. Mm-hmm. And the sustainability comes from that ability to forge the connections and really adapt your strategy towards the, the success of each client but as a customer as opposed to trying to fit them into the mold that the, the company is building yeah exactly and and the more you spend time building these relationships actually the better and better the data becomes so you again so if you meet you take this from a, a and non-business perspective. You have a chat. So when we had the chat for the first time, Mordecai, we sort yeah. of got to know each other a little bit. We understood, okay, oh, this is what you do. This is what I do. And you have that sort of initial connection. And then we go and we meet later on in the day and we have another sort of conversation. And actually our relationship starts building deeper and deeper. And actually I find a bit more about you. And then we start having two or three conversations. And then look, I'm like, oh, I really want you on my podcast to talk about user-generated content because I can actually see now, because we've had three, four, five conversations, the amount of data I get from you is incredible. I go, this guy knows it, knows his stuff. He can provide real value to me. And this is where, how our relationship develops. And now you provide some really great, insightful, valuable information in the content you create, this podcast you're creating. And I'm learning a lot from it. If Again, if we hadn't, spend time and I just met you that once and I tried not to carry and I didn't take on that relationship we wouldn't be having this conversation now I wouldn't have had you on my podcast I wouldn't have been able to build some of these connections that we have done with brands like social bakers like we've both done because we've been having regular conversations with different people absolutely and I and I, I love the approach of having that always the mindset of having the human connection first and then taking that as the driver as the catalyst for ongoing business relationships and business opportunities and partnerships and collaborations and things like that, because the business side of things will always flow when you, the person has trust when the person or the brand understands who's behind the, the company that's working that the work will be done from. So it, once we understand that, once a company understands that the human, the human being becomes the center and then the, the business comes from there, right? As the, as the famous statement goes, people buy from people as opposed to, they don't buy from a company they know if there's a person behind the company they trust that person and i love that approach to how your business or how your company is doing it i think it's a great idea it's a great concept what would be a um i guess with regards to the building a human relationship obviously there's going to be people who are not necessarily in tune to that or not necessarily expecting that when they when they when they start working with your company or with the company that you work for as a marketing uh, director what would be the um, what would be the challenge that they're that they're not used to someone willing to go that extra mile and willing to take that extra data and and really come up with a new new approaches to to their marketing I guess strategy they're not used to it what would be some of the challenges that you, that you faced uh, in your experience as yeah. you started working with that uh, you know the new model what you're calling it like a new innovative model. Yeah, no, the, the biggest challenge that we're facing is it's almost that trust factor, like that almost actually what you're not trying to necessarily close us instantly. So, for example, the, the sales material that we provide our 
the sales guys that will that will go out and meet these companies or MD or myself, our sales material isn't sales material, if this makes sense. And right. they, they people get a bit baffled by that because what we try and do, our sales material is industry stats, um, their graphs, they're basically showing actually just what's happening in the industry. And that's mostly what our sales and it says, look, these are some of the tools that we can have, but it basically says that at the bottom, but ultimately our sales material is focused on actually saying, we'll look, human connections, these are a load of the facts. This is what is happening in your industry. If you want to talk to us, you can. And that's our, that is our sales pitch. And people go and they're, they're baffled by that because they go, and when you sort of sit back, you let them read it and they're like, cool, are you, well, what do you want us to buy? I said, well, no, you tell it, what, what do you, it does, are you seeing that? Is that what you're finding in your industry? If it's not, then we have to go away and revise our data. If it is, they're going, oh, hang on, how do you know so much about that? Because we spend time and it's trying to go, hang on, you spent the time researching this in this much detail before you come to us. Now, we don't create necessarily a whole new sales pack for each individual customer. That would be ludicrous. Right. But we do try and make sure that each individual pack will have a, a, a big number of elements that are specific to that company and as many of their competitors as possible. It takes time. But that's where we're finding they're like, actually, what? You've actually created this for us. And they're like a bit skeptical at first. And then once we show, actually, it's not just the first time we meet them, we do this. We do this on the second time that we meet them. And then they start realizing, okay, these guys are actually spending this much time and they are actually working on being helpful. And it's providing those insights that is sometimes a difficult one because people are like, hang on, why more? We don't necessarily, we we want, of course we want to say, sell to you but I don't want to actually be that person that sells to you now and then you go you try it and then you go actually no we haven't fully bought into whether this is going to be valuable for the business or not because yeah sometimes they've approached us and that's much easier for us if we've had to approach them it actually takes that longer process and we're not going we're not looking at that some people will say you need to always be closing now Mm -hmm. I don't think we we don't buy into that we agree that you should always be looking for a way of being helpful that can help you to close because if you're not looking to close a deal at some stage, it is quite difficult because there's no purpose to the relationship. It's what are you looking to get out of that relationship? Ultimately, from that relationship, we do want a customer. Yes, they can provide value. They can provide insights, which is helps us make a better product, helps us add more value to them. But ultimately, our end goal has to be closing if we don't close the, close the deal. Right. I think I lost you for a second. Hello? Hello? You first, instead of going... Can you hear me? Now I can hear you. No, I can't. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you. Yes. Okay. Oh dear, where where have we where have we got lost to? <laughs> uh, I got lost to what you said. It was the idea of the sales pitch and how the company uh, that you're pitching is not necessarily obviously the ultimate goal you mentioned was that the sales pitch is obviously to close new business, but it's it's the approach that you're taking which is more unique, which is in the regards to it's unique in that 
it's not necessarily coming with a full deck that would be, you know, the services that you provide, but rather the information and the data that you're coming to them, the industry data that really shows them how much investment, how much investment you've taken before even the first meeting. Hello? You hear me? Yep. Okay, I, can, I can hear you. I can hear you perfectly. Yeah. Okay, great. So I was saying is that before you were mentioning that your, uh, your, the approach to a sales pitch in your company right now is very unique in that the research that you do and the industry research that you have before you even walk in the door provides these customers with so much information and so much data that proves your, your concept, but it doesn't do is it doesn't say that you, it doesn't give you a whole list of services that your, your company provides, but rather it, that really is like the icing on the cake, if you will. Yeah. Should I start from saying that again, or should I start from just after that? No, that's fine. You can start from wherever you want. It's fine. We'll, uh, I'll edit it quickly. It's not a big deal. That's all right. Cool. Um, where should I go from then? Let's go from, yeah. So one of the biggest things for us, so we've always got to have in mind that we're going to close the deal because ultimately, again, if we don't close the deal, we don't have a business, but we just have to be really mindful that we're providing that we're adding the value first and then looking to close second. Again, it's a little bit like this social selling concept, like on where people do it on social media, we're trying to bring that into the real world. So we have all the information with us about our product. We've built, we've just launched a new website, possibly how long ago? A month or so ago, which provides a lot more information about the products. If people do want that information, it's absolutely accessible. But we want to provide the value first, and then they can go away and say, look, Actually, these are because they're going to go and research you online anyway. So right. we're going to, when when they go and have a look at online, all the information is there, ready for them to actually be sold to at their own pace. Instead of having to go there and actually having to do the whole charm offensive and yeah. say and describe how good our product is, we tell them actually, look, here's the industry. This is what's going on. This is what your competitors potentially are doing. This is all the research provided. If you want to know more. Here is the information you, where you can get it. We've got some here if you want it. But ultimately, it's you need to tell us that you need and want this product and we will absolutely make it work for you. And it's coming from that perspective of adding value like you should do on social media. So we're, what we all taught on social media now is social selling is right. that you add value first and sell second. Now we're trying to make sure we do that in a physical environment too, but always having that, again, like through social selling, you have to have a mind is what is this ultimate goal of this relationship? Is it to sell? In our case, it is. If you're doing that relationship online, is it to get a speaking gig? Is it to do a, a, a blog collaboration? Is it to go on a podcast? Things like that. So it's always having an end in mind. So, so Simon Sinek will say, start with why. It's what that's our why. And then everything else in between is, is how we actually get to that. Right. Start with the why of the of the the using the kind of the value first. That's the why of why we're doing it, uh, or really the, the the business is the goal at the end. But the value is the the, the approach is a little bit different. Meaning you're taking the value first, the sale second, as opposed to the sale first and then the value second. You're you're doing it a flip flip way. Obviously, like you said, your goal is your goal is to always be create a closing business but the, the way you close it the approach to it is is a more unique approach yeah i mean it's not 
It's not perfect. Uh, I'd be absolutely lying to anyone if I said this was the absolute perfect method. Go and implement this right now in your business. It's like it's like it's it's the dream you, that you've missed out before. Because no, it's it's not a clickbaity title that suddenly you're going to be like, oh my god, this is what I've been missing for my strategy. For some people, it absolutely will be. Now, what it is is just fun, trying to find that balance because each business, again, like I say, is unique, and it's taken us quite a while to be able to refine exactly how we approach each unique client and individual as opposed to how we actually pitch it. So some there, it will be almost going in saying, it depends on whether they've approached us or whether we've approached them. It depends on the level of um, individuals within the meeting itself. It depends on how long has also been allocated for that meeting as well. It depends on how we pitch it. So we have to be quite, we've spent a lot of time trying to decide on this. So it's not suddenly oh, go in there, give them industry stats, walk out and they're going to come to you. That, I can't promise you that will work. It may work. But what, we have to, what you have to do is spend a lot of time to really understand your customers and potential customers. And we found that that has been a real, real strength of our selling uh, technique at the moment. And when you're, when you're approaching the, these customers and when you're approaching the, the strategies and, and the the pre-sale before you actually go into the room and, and speak to these customers or potential customers, what is it that it, besides the, actually the way you're selling it, your approach, what else is it about the way you, you or your team go in there and look at the less traditional methods? What is it? What is your approach in terms of not only taking it? Cause you, the, the pitch is pretty much the same regardless of the company, meaning the, the way you're going to do it. But what is it? How do you prepare to become, you know, more in tune and more? I guess we'll call it empathic about how you're listening to the customer, listening to customers' needs, and being able to customize your platform and and the solution to that to that uh, to, to to them. Yeah. So again, so going back to almost what we said at the start. So we use our intuition and go from from other conversations, from conference, conferences, we go to events. We have an we have an idea. If we're if we're looking at um, say talking to companies within the automotive sector, that's one of our big sort of industries at the moment. We spend some time going to automotive events, reading a lot of automotive websites, stuff. So we give a real feel for the environment. So then once we, once we actually decide this is the company we're, we're going to speak to or the individuals or, or, or they've come to us, we then spend as much time as possible going through then and actually backing up some of those validation or some of those assumptions that we have about the market with the data. So we use our tools like SEMrush, um, uh, Ahrefs, Moz, we'd use all sorts of tools like that. We'd use just even things like their we do Alexa and look at their Alexa rank. We try and find sort of just do Google, even just simple things like a Google search of their of their blog and actually say what are they talking about, what are their mm-hmm. what are their opinions on things. Have a look at the individuals there and other people that we think may be of interest or, or other stakeholders within the organization who may want to know about this. So actually, even if we know that it's not necessarily going to be the finance director, for example, isn't going to be there. There will be some sort of mention in there or in our stats and our research about the financial impact because actually other stakeholders will need to be involved. So it's not just thinking about, okay, I'm going for a meeting with this one person. Actually, you need to be aware. Actually, other people have 
will have interest in this product. And actually, by giving them, by giving the original person you're having a meeting with the information, they will go, oh, look, actually, it's got a financial impact as well. So actually, when I go to, when they go to the financial director, they've already got an, a, 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 some sort of answer to give the financial director before they even have to ask. So it's trying to actually do those assumptions, go to these events, speak to as many people as possible, and then we back up then from that, we back up with data about that individual business. It's such a unique approach in how you're really identifying the, obviously you've done the research in terms of identifying the customers prior to who you're looking to reach out to, but you're also doing is you're doing a great job in being able to look at the, the, the customer as a customer, as a potential customer, as a human being, meaning you're looking at it as a, not necessarily as just another, as just another client or another, another tick on the, on the business, on the sales board, but rather you're looking at is really trying to craft something that's obviously data driven, obviously marketing, you're marketing to something with, that has a success to it, but you're also doing is you're really paying attention to what their needs are and paying attention to that approach uh, before you even walk in the door so that we are, instead of doing it the other way, whether it could be, you know, kind of be secondhand to second nature, you're actually doing is you're creating a unique style to every one of the, uh, of the potential customers. Yeah. Because we found that from a lot of the experience of other people within the organization and myself is that actually you'd end up doing this sort of pitch anyway, but a lot of people do it the other way around. So you have to do a lot of people, if you have to do this research anyway, and the point is actually we're able to get more people down the pipeline now. So it sounds like it, it is more work because you will lose some customers and you're like, okay, I've actually lost out on a bit of time because I've done this pitch and some customers decide not to come on board with us. Absolutely fine. But actually we do find that we've got more people down the funnel. So overall it's been worth actually about the same amount of time. So instead of thinking, okay, let's do a sales pitch. If we lose them and then we do our research, actually you've lost say 40%, 50% of your, your um, pipeline already. Actually we're finding we're getting 75, 80% through our pipeline. So actually there isn't that much wasted resource by doing this research first instead of doing it second where you think actually because most businesses will need to do it at some stage if you don't individualize at some stage you're not probably not going to win the business so we're just trying to do it a little bit earlier and try and bring more people through the funnel Uh, it's such a such a fresh perspective on how how to secure new clients how to retain them obviously because you're building their trust from the moment you walk in the door and you're not selling anything that's just like pie in the sky kind of you're just selling your ideas and concepts, but rather you're walking in there with a prepared document that says, this is what we know about your industry, about you, about your digital presence and about your digital, uh, I guess, reputation. And now we're saying is here's the, the, here's the information, match it with your industry as a whole. And here's where, where we can help. And that's the last part is the here you can help is, is only the sale at the pitch that comes at the end, as opposed to walking the door where you're kind of having to, almost defend, or like you said, the offensive has to come up right from the beginning, but rather you're giving them, you're educating them and you're informing them before you even uh, allow them to even say, we don't want your service or we don't really understand what you're doing, but rather you're putting it on the table beforehand. Exactly. And especially when you're going in and you're potentially, if a, if a company has approached you, we've then potentially intend the process against two or three other people. So actually, they've already done some sort of research towards already select us for that tender process. So by adding as much value as possible, 
they see actually how much you, how much value you can provide over and above just the product because ultimately our product is pretty unique but ultimately there are other bits of other other businesses have similar elements to their products and they obviously like all those products so how can you really stand out and be different yes you can maybe do it by sort of the customer service and customer experience points and those are all great but they're also much further down the pipeline so we're trying to build that relationship as early as possible so actually when we get to this customer service customer experience stage they're already in, we've already built that relationship partially, so we're able to get more data, which means we can actually improve that customer service and that customer experience before they get there because we've already had two, three, four conversations. I've got more data, which means actually I can keep improving things for you instead of actually going in with a sales pitch and actually already being a deep conversation behind, which means actually we're a step behind already in, the, in, our, in our pipeline. Right, so, so you're taking such a active and a proactive approach in terms of the the interaction between you and the, the, the customer and then the relationship is much richer and much more developed before even having to start implementing and integrating your services. You've already had multiple relationship opportunities, multiple touch points and conversations, and those conversations help you fine tune the product or the solution that you're offering, the company's offering in so much of a better way so that by the time that you know the deal is closed and the business is brought to the table, you're, you've already created such a solution that there's, it's a, it's a, it's a no brainer that they're going to say yes. Exactly. And our MD is, or is, is absolutely fantastic at this is the way he builds the relationships and has brought on some really big customers by doing, spending so much time trying to find out as much about them as possible. And it's been, actually it's been fantastic for us. I said, we've only lost the one customer in about two and a half years. So it's, it's looking really good so far. And I say, it's definitely, I always recommend that this is actually a, a model that other people can implement. They obviously have to tailor it to their own unique industry and markets. And again, it's, it, you have to get people buy-in. And now we're lucky that as our, the size of our organization as part of our onboarding process and as part of our hiring process, we really look for people as opposed to cent- as opposed to having set skills. So again, we, you, this is not obviously not a HR podcast, but actually we're hiring for that personality, hiring for hiring for the person and not necessarily the skill set because the people is what build the relationships. Now, some of those technical skills we can teach and we're working really hard and actually keeping it within the culture of our business. This is actually what we're all about and how we are going to win business in the future. So, so now that's a great uh, segue. So you're not, now we're talking about it's not only about the business itself that you're taking this approach to people first, business second, or value first. We'll call it uh, business second or value first, win the client uh, second. You're now saying is it's not only, which is, this is important in, in terms of the approach as a generating new business, but here is actually, it's the culture itself is the people first, find the right people, find the right individuals to not only sell the product, but also develop the product and be behind the product. So that way the people represent the product in a way that shows value first, right? Because like you said, some of the skills you can teach, but the people, the relationship, the interactions that they make with their, with potential customers and the way they can listen to the data at events or at through the tools that you're using, you're taking the, 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 you're creating at the core, you're taking the, we'll call it the softer skills, the people, the people skills, and turning that into the, the driving force of the business. 
Exactly. Yeah. Those soft skills are ones that are built up over time. And yes, we could potentially adapt and enhance them, but we can't necessarily change them. Whereas some of those hard skills, so i.e. being able to code, being able to create an effective PowerPoint presentation, certain things like that, we can teach. But it's actually really about that culture, that uh, mindset. That mindset is really difficult. Yes, you can teach a mindset, but it's not easy and actually we look for the people that really want to have that so customer service culture they it's almost like we look for those people they treat people how they want to be treated themselves that is what we're really looking for and it's it it's not always easy we've got a couple of roles that's taken us a really really long time to fill because we're, spe- we're spending time to make sure we feel find the right person sometimes it's a bit of a um, a source of frustration because right. we're like we want this we want this role filled, but we we understand actually it's about again come back to it it's about building those relationships the right way. If we hire the wrong person, then actually it potentially damages relationships, and it's not the way we actually really want to grow sustainably. In the future, we may have to adjust this, but I don't want to, and that's no one in the business wants to. So we're going to keep monitoring this as we go forward over the next couple of years. But so far, we're it, it's working so well for us, and that's something that we. We, we really want to maintain as long as possible because the relationship, as, as we've talk, talked about a few times, is the relationships for us are just incredibly important. And without those, we won't have a sustainable business going forward. So, right, exactly. I think the, 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 the people behind the company that are really interested, connected, invested, not necessarily with you know, actual shares of the company, but invested in the success of the company because they see that the, the company as a whole the mindset of the provide the value first, look at the customer, look at the, and match your value to the customer, but also the people that are behind the company, meaning the employees, and they see that the company is also not only selling it to the customers that way, but actually the employees are the same way. We're adding value to you. We're giving you new, we're taking, we're strengthening your people skills and making sure that your people skills are strong when you walk in the door, but also strengthening that, allowing you to use that to your advantage, to our advantage, but also the technical skills, we can always add to that. We can always add to, like you said, the coding, the content writing. We can teach you those things. We can teach you how to do those things better, run a better campaign. But the individual relationships that you can build with is something that is, there is something to be said for the fact that there are, some of it is just, you know, you walk in the door with that and you can see it right away. And there's always these great stories of people that you that bosses look to how they test people's skills and things like that and how they work. And that's what really works successfully. I just heard recently about, I think someone in California, a CEO in California, has a, he has a, an agreement with a restaurant that he brings all his, his potential employees to this restaurant and he tells the waiters beforehand to mess up the order. That's what he does. He messes up the order intentionally and he wants to, and he wants to see how the impl- potential, the prospective employee how, you know, potential hire, how he interacts or she interacts with the waiter and how he deals with it, how he deals with the stress, how he changed and how he deals with those things. So that way, the, the, the uh, I guess the, the, the boss or the CEO is learning about the person, you know, in a setting that's not just a business setting or a business office or things like that, but rather he's learning about the person in a setting that's very social, very non, usually it's like a very safe space, but at the same time, it, it teaches them about how people interact with each other. And like you said, your company is doing the same thing. Same thing is find the person that interacts well with people. They learn how to work with people correctly. They, but they develop it in a way that, that they come to the table with it. 
they're also developing those skills better. But at the same time, the technical skills are important, but they can be taught. Yes, ex- exactly. And I absolutely love that idea. I've not heard that one before, but it makes yeah. so much sense uh, in, in terms of actually just putting people under pressure. And I, lo- I, I, it, it, I do like the idea of doing it without people necessarily knowing, so they don't know it's test. I, think, I can remember actually my dad used to tell me um, that when, the, when he used to work for a company, they used to, when they used to have people come in for a hire, they used to just basically sit them downstairs for ages and just send someone down just to have a chat with them and not tell them it was part of the interview or anything. Right. So they just sort of say, so they'd sort of sit them down in an area and someone would just go down and say, oh, just have a chat with them. And they'd sort of sit with them for five minutes or so and just sort of say hi. And then they would call them up to the meeting and actually they would have got this feedback back from that person over that five minutes just to sort of see actually in that five minutes what sort of person they would be when they're more relaxed because obviously sometimes we're in a highly pressurized environment people react somewhat differently and you want to be able to sort of see how people are in different in different environments at different times under different pressures so yeah i absolutely love that idea i think that's a people are people are a fascinating one aren't they so uh, anything you can do to learn more is always always good yeah okay i think uh according to this it's um I think according to this, I read, looking at the article, one of the articles I read, one of them is Charles Schwab himself, the CEO, the CEO of Charles Schwab. Uh, he actually does, he takes them to breakfast or whatever it is, and he, and he tells the restaurant to mess up their order intentionally. And he says, they tell me about the great success in your life. And he says, what I'm looking for is, is whether their view of the world really revolves around others or whether it revolves around themselves. And if you can ask them about their greatest failures, Right. Instead of asking about their greatest failures, but rather watching them, how they interact with failure, how they approach failure, how they approach a challenging exp- experience. That's what he says. Um, mm-hmm. It's an article recently in Business Arts. No, not so recently, but uh, from Business Insider. But like you said, the idea is to take the people and match the people to the, the position, obviously, but give them the ability to provide the value and share their passion for bringing the value and then that passion and that investment will then turn and translate itself into business success. Exactly. Yeah. Again, the more time you actually are willing to invest, the more, the more effort you are, the more it will actually result in business success. Sometimes it does take a while. You just have to, you have to just trust, trust the process, trust the relationships, trust the people and trust is something that's really hard to to, to give and actually, so it's really trust is really hard to yeah, give away, but people, you have to, it, it comes from both ways. You have to give a little to receive a little on it. It isn't always easy. Again, as I said, is this method isn't necessarily always relevant to every single business. And some people will find it a lot easier and other people find it a lot difficult, more difficult than others. But actually, if you persevere with building relationships, you will build a successful long-term business off the back of it, not a fleeting business that will have big up and a big down again, you'll build something sustainable by building sustainable relationships. Absolutely. So now, now I'm going to kind of take it to a different uh, approach. I know that you and I met, you know, we'll kind of take a step back since we've been talking like real business and understanding your successes and challenges. You and I met in Prague at Social Bakers. We spoke, we, you interviewed me for the, the podcast. Uh, and since then, you've been really kind of developing a lot of great content, creating opportunities with yourself and other influencers. What conferences have you been attending since then uh, that are interesting to you? I know that you attended one of them with, um, was with, with uh, Jason, was Jason Miller speaking? Is that right? 
Yeah, Jason Miller. So I went I just, to. I just met him the other day. I spent. Uh, he and his wife and child, children were actually in Jerusalem. I saw. Yeah, so he was great. It was really um, impressive, like just an amazing individual. Uh, but you, you, you were saying you met him at a conference. Yeah, so I saw, I saw that, I saw that on your, I think it was your LinkedIn or Facebook. The joy, yeah. joys of social media. You can't yeah. do anything without me knowing these days. Exactly. <laughs> and you, got, I can't do anything without you knowing. But no, uh, yeah. So I was at this um, inaugural conference where I actually met a guy called Mark Masters, and I met him actually online. I listened to him on a podcast called the Marketing Book Podcast. He just released his book. And I just basically just said, I really, I just messaged him. I added him on LinkedIn. I said, I just listened to your podcast. I really liked what you did on there. Uh, and we started chatting on there. And then we went to, we just met up in London for, uh, we were both going to attend. He was speaking at a little conference, like an, a business expo. And I went along and we met there for the first time. And over the last two and a bit years, we've built up a real good relationship. He's helped me on so many levels. I've tried to help him and in my own way. And one of the things he set up this, so it was in May, actually. So it's about two weeks after Social Bakers Engage Prague. So it was a conference called You Are The Media Conference. So he's got this network. He's got this email sort of community called You Are The Media. And so it was their first conference. So we had Mark Schaefer speaking, wow. Jason Miller, John Burkhart, um, a woman called Sonia Jefferson, who's from Bristol. She was brilliant. They had um, a guy called Simon Swan from the Met Office. What the heck, I can remember all the people. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was a really, really good conference. Sort of, it focused on a load of different areas of business and marketing in terms of loyalties and customers. And it was great. And Jason Miller was awesome. He, he, sort of, he had a KISS-themed, rock-themed rock right. presentation, and, and it was brilliant. Mark Schaefer uh, closed out with his um, with a presentation about his book, Known, which is great. So that was amazing. I met so many cool people there. And then also then, probably about a month and a half ago, I went to a conference called Marketed Live in Nottingham. So I saw there was a lot of hype around this last year, and I reached out again, built a relationship up with, their, with the um, organizer, a guy called Paul. Uh, bit, or bit at Biz Paul everywhere, and and we started chatting a lot. And he said, "Ben, you need to come along to Marketed Live." And I get, I, I went along, and he, he convinced me, twisted my arm. And again, I met so many people that I actually hadn't met in the UK before. So because it was a huge amount of UK people there. But what I did because I don't really go to UK-based conferences. I end, I ended up traveling to Europe or United States. So this was actually the first time I met so many people I've met in like the United States or Europe actually in the UK and it was amazing and these are the types of I love good conferences because these relationships I get like, like I built up with you with Mark Masters with mm. with Paul and it's these sort of relationships there's a guy called Tim Lewis as well who I I think is awesome he's all he spends so much time on social media and I first met him out in San Diego three years ago and we've having these constant talk uh, chats over and over again and it's uh, you cannot absolutely I can't, I can't put a value on how important meeting these people in real life has, has been and actually building the relationship with them digitally first and then taking those conversations into the real world and coming back again. So yeah. the other, another example I've got is, um, have you heard of Chris Strub? Yes, I have. I, I think that was the person I was referring to in, in my first question uh, when we, in my posed a question about conferences. I was talking about Chris Strub and I couldn't remember his name. Mm. Uh, but so, yeah, so I, I know that he also runs a great conference that I've put my eye on for, uh, several times about uh either attending, speaking, whatever it is. Yeah, so he has yeah. a conference. 
Yeah, so Chris, Chris is actually writing the foreword for my book, and it's amazing. Really? Again, so yeah, so we I'd, I'd followed him a while online, and I, I literally bumped into him out in America as I was there, and and now we just built this really great relationship, and it's something again without having spent the time to actually build up a, a relationship with these people, I wouldn't have had half the opportunities, if even anywhere near half the opportunities yeah. I would have had. And it's all about those relationships and those doors and actually not going there with a, a, a close in mind. It's having ideas. Look, actually, somewhere in the future, I may want to work with these people. I may want to have get speaking gigs. There. But actually, at that time, it's just seeing what happens. And that is... Right being the thing that's really taken sort of my my personal brand and my business brands to levels I could never have have dreamt of before right so you're doing the same thing that your company is doing that's probably why the company is so successful is that you as a head of marketing you're taking exactly the approaches I'm I'm listening I'm providing the value I'm creating the cultivating the relationships I'm building the relationships I'm forging them both online, then bridging it back to offline, then bridging it back to online again. And obviously, once you've met face-to-face, it's much a much richer online conversation, et cetera. And then you're doing, as you're saying, you're living that approach. You know, there's, you're living the company's approach that you work for by just saying, is, I'm going to do is I'm going to listen, provide value, create content, deliver the content. And then later on, I'll ask for the business or ask for the partnership or ask for the relationship once the relationship has been built already where a point where they see the value that you provide. Absolutely. Exactly. And you can find so much about people online. There's not really much of an excuse, especially if you're going to a marketing or social media conference. Yeah. Yes. There's no excuse for not being able to find out at least about some of the speakers you want to, you think that you like and value and you want to build potential relationships with. There's absolutely no excuse for not finding out about them. So, I've had people on my podcast who I'd actually just follow. I've never met, I've never really met, but I feel like I know them because of their content. And I spent so much time researching and looking into them. And it's again, that's how you build relationships. So you don't have to start the conversations with, hi, how are you? What's your name? My name's this. I do work for this company. What do you do? Oh, I do social media. I do marketing. Great. Mm-hmm. that's a really boring way to start a conversation. And again, look, you're already two or three steps behind. When I'm going, when actually I go up to someone and go, Oh, you're a Mordecai. I see. I, oh, I saw you online. Oh, you had Jen Herman on your. Oh, I listened to your podcast. You had Jen Herman on there. How yes. was she? Look, right. we're already we're already now two or three steps down the line, and that you've you've got rid of some of that small talk, and you've got into some real value straight away, and that's and that's uh, that's and that's like this. That's the value of really social selling and that social understanding of the person and understanding of the, his environment. And even though, you know, some people will say it's kind of, you know, it's kind of creepy that you know so much about them. But you know what? In today's digital space, and especially with marketers and social media people who are active in one platform or another, it's very easy to get this information. And you're not being creepy about it. You're not doing some, you know, something illegal. And if, if someone's putting things online, they want people to know about it and they were happy about their successes. So might as well use that successes and that content to, you know, not in a way that's going to be too, you know, too... I guess we'll call it creepy, but way, but that really creates and strikes good conversations. So that way there's really valuable meeting and valuable uh, opportunities and, and you're really moving things ahead as opposed to just, like you said, creating that small talk at first, which sometimes is, you know, annoying. Yeah, so small, small talk is great. I mean, never underestimate small talk, but it's, a, it's a actually really starting off with a conversation with value and showing, look, you've taken as much as possible. You can't do it with everyone, but you've taken the time to find out 
about them and you've taken the time to learn something so you're not going to be having that thing because that's it's much more memorable to have that conversation because how many conversations can you remember uh, how many memorable conversations started with hi how are you what's your name it's this right. not many but actually it's so much more memorable and so much more valuable to have a real point of information use that digital use that data just use the data yeah, and, and sometimes you know, people don't look at it as data when they're when they're having a conversation with someone. But just like any meeting you have, you know, you take notes in your head. You some people write notes, actually write notes or run their computer, and they take notes of things that are important. And then when they have those important things, they can refer back to them and use them as a a way to develop the relationship in a valuable way. And then that's exactly the soft, you know, that we'll call it the soft skills or those fine-tuned personal skills that really help a person grow, and also that person adds value by using those skills and use, really using that information and that, you know, we'll call it data to really drive the business and, them, and, their, and their personal success forward. Uh, absolutely, yeah, I, I couldn't have put it better myself. Okay, well, here we go, Bill. So we have got three or four minutes before we end because I want to stick to my, you know, it's kind of late for me um, <laughs> and it's kind of late for you. So my last question I always like to ask people is besides doing, you know, you're doing a lot of great things, you know, your book, your company, the work at your company, the podcast that you have. What are the next things going on for Ben Roberts in the next uh, six months to a year besides those things? Fun things. Oh, fun things. Right. What am I trying to do with the next? So hopefully the, yeah, the book's going to be out in February. So there's going to hopefully be a lot more speaking coming from there. I'm hoping to head out to America a few times and meet some more people uh, out there. Uh, and I'm hopefully buying a new house with my, with my partner as well. So that's going to be, awesome. that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, so hopefully it'd be uh, again. I've had a. I, I, I'm so blessed that I. I, I, I think I've been, re- been in a really good place this year and done some really good things. I just hope I can keep it on into 2019. I mean, I'm, I'm always a big fan of even years, like 2016, 2018 being great years, 2017 not a good year. So I'm hoping the 2019 I'm gonna buck the trend a little bit and it's gonna keep getting better and better. That's the dream, anyway. That's awesome. And what about? Um, well, we, well, we, well, I've already spoken to the people at Social Bakers to kind of see if we can make another opportunity. Will you be uh, approaching that as well? Yes. Yeah, definitely. I, I've been speaking with them a few times. So yes, I'm, I am, I am hoping to look at definitely. I, I mean, Prague's also a beautiful city. Who, why yes. would you not, why would you not want to go there? And the conference, the conference itself was also so, so good. I was so, so impressed with it. So yes, any opportunity to go back out there again, that a hundred percent will, 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 won't even hesitate on that one. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ben, for your time. I really, really appreciate it. I know that, uh, and I appreciate the back and forth. It's been a little bit, uh, over the last couple of weeks, it's been difficult to book it, but I appreciate the second time. And I really think it's uh, really provides some great, interesting content about a unique approach to really the people, people first, people and value first, and then really bring the business and let that drive the business forward, as opposed to what a lot of companies and brands do online and offline in terms of their approach. I really thank you for that. Oh, absolutely. It was absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Awesome. So um, so thank you again. And I, we look forward to seeing you and seeing your success. And I wish you good luck with your, with your new book. And you. Be sure to sign up for the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. And remember, the next time you're doing business in the digital economy, make sure to empathize it.